Welcome to the California Improvement Network's podcast series on building effective partnerships to address social needs that impact health. During this series, you will hear about real-life struggles and triumphs from those doing the work and gain ideas you can use in your own partnerships for addressing social needs. As California Improvement Network, or CIN, is a learning and action network, we hope that as you listen, you will consider what you can apply to your work and identify at least one action you can take to advance the partnerships you have. CIN is a project funded by the California Healthcare Foundation and administered by Health Force Center at UCSF. To learn more about California Improvement Network and access other resources for addressing social needs that impact health, visit www.chcf.org CIN. Welcome back, everyone, to the CIN podcast series on building effective community partnerships. We're so excited to have you today, um, and I'm excited to introduce our two speakers today. So I have Rosemary Den Auden, who's the Chief Executive Director at Humboldt IPA, and I have Jessica Osborne-Staffsness, who's the Grants and Program Development Director at Humboldt IPA, and I'm excited to have you both here to talk a little bit about coalition building. So welcome. I wanted to just, because this conversation is a little bit different than the other conversations that we've had in this series. And so I just wanted to kind of start with coalition building. How do you do that in your organization? What does that look like? How do you kind of lay a foundation knowing that you're going to have multiple organizations in the room and you're trying to build multiple partnerships um, in this one meeting or conversation? Well, um, that's a big question. And I think, well, actually, I don't know for sure, but I think we probably do it a little bit differently here in Humboldt County, being that we're a rural, remote part of California and have a long, long history of just having to be really dependent on one another. So in some aspects, coalition building comes maybe a little bit easier than others might have in some communities, but it's still very, very challenging. You know, the work that we've done around opioids here in Humboldt County has a, a long history and the two programs that we're going to talk about today are really focused in on opioids and substance use here in Humboldt County and what we've been doing over the last several years to tackle that. I really echo that. I mean, I feel like there are advantages and disadvantages of rural. One of the advantages is exactly what Rosemary said. We sort of have the like Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation game, right? Like, so if there's a key partner in the community, you might not know them, but chances are your other partner knows them. And it gets talked about a lot, but there's a sense of cooperation in rural areas or in Humboldt. So like the bad news is maybe there's a limited set of partners, but the good news is there's a limited set of partners and it's 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 less challenging maybe than other area areas to sort of get folks in the room. The other thing I was going to sort of say and reflect on is the Humboldt Community Health Trust, which is Humboldt County's Accountable Community for Health, focused broadly on substance use disorder, really started with trying to work across sectors and that stretched us as an organization sort of working beyond healthcare common partners. And so for us, coalition building around that was a lot about sort of developing relationships among multi-sector partners. And I think we had to just spend a lot of time like coming to shared norms and shared language and shared understanding of issues that I didn't fully appreciate previously working sort of more within the healthcare sector. And as you think about these 
two coalitions that you're currently working on, you know, what would be the first five steps that you take to, to get those kicked off? If it's not five, maybe it's 20, but what would you share with listeners if they're, if they're starting to kind of do this work in their communities? Well, for me, um, you know, really understanding what the burning platform is, is key. For us, back in 2013, when the issue of overprescribing of opioids and every conversation that we were having back then led to how to better manage folks with chronic pain, we started recognizing what that burning platform was. You know, and then identifying who the players are. And that's really where we started with RX Safe Humboldt in 2013 was we need to come up with a better way to treat chronic pain. And that led to the realization that we were inappropriately prescribing opioids at a very unsafe level. That really helped uh, galvanize the partners and bring them together. So, you know, I don't really have five, but I think two are key. Know what you're platform is and know who your partners are and start pulling them together. I just swooned at the thought of a five-step process to start a coalition. Like, where is that recipe book? I need it now. I totally agree with the burning platform issue. I think one of my learnings was from initiating, especially with the like cross-sector work. Uh, I wish we would have gotten to share goal more quickly. It took us about a year in to really create a very established, like clear-cut couple of goals for our initiative. And once we had that, I feel like it shifted the conversation. It kind of became a North Star for our initiative. So that plus data. And yeah, burning platform. I think folks need to sort of see themselves uniquely in the work and see themselves as you know partially owning the, the issue in the community. So there's three steps. Just a deep demand and request for whoever has the five steps to please forward them to Humboldt County. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I'll say when you're working with a coalition and partners, if you don't have that shared goal or that shared initiative, it's it's nearly impossible to move the train down the tracks. The competing priorities is such a problem. I mean, that's been one of our biggest challenges is competing priorities and keeping that North Star front and center for participating organizations so that we can move the needle on whatever it is that we're working on. I've heard that a lot, you know, from some of the other people that we've talked to as part of this podcast series is that having that shared mission, having that shared goal, having that shared client base is really what helps make this work effective. And so I'm wondering if you can just describe a little bit more about, you know, what does that look like for you? How are you helping to define the problem in partnership with other organizations? Yeah, I I think maybe I have a good example around that. So the Humboldt Community Health Trust, the goal of the initiative is to, you know, holistically address substance use disorder in Humboldt County. That's a pretty large topic with our cross-sector stakeholder group, which included, you know, includes, I should say, you know, law enforcement, the probation department, treatment providers, medical providers, and then folks that are working really upstream in prevention and earlyhood childhood education and ACEs mitigation, sort of getting to that goal that represents all their needs and interests was really challenging. And we had this process about a year into our initiative where we actually did like a gallery walk of all the community data, 
findings from various key informant discovery work we had done, what the literature was saying. For so long, we had certain sort of segments of our table saying, well, the issue is that we don't have any access to treatment in Humboldt County. We don't have any access. This is the problem. This is what we should focus on. And then you had other people saying like, no, the, the problem is sort of our high number of ACEs and we don't do enough prevention. And really by the end of that process, I had, you know, a key member of the treatment community and a key member of the law enforcement community sort of saying like, hmm, maybe this is about prevention too. And so where we landed were a series of actually four goals that are interrelated, but allow people along that spectrum to sort of see them in the overall work. It's not like you just have one meeting and now everybody is aligned and things work. It's about, there's a lot of effort that goes into it and it takes time and it takes commitment, not just from those who are organizing, but those who are participating. And it reminds me a lot of, you know, what it takes to really build a strong relationship. It's very similar. Could you just share a little bit about what you do to kind of maintain those ties and connections with the community, both around a specific area or a specific topic, but also for those who are in the room, what does it take to, to maintain those partnerships moving the work forward? Well, I like to use the phrase uh, gentle persistence. For me, that's what it takes. You know, this is not a one and done and it's not, you know, beating your door down, demanding for you to change the way this, that and the other is happening. And so for both of these groups, we, we're just the, the placeholder. We are the place that continually brings the right people to the table as much as possible to have those conversations that need to have. Review the data that we need to review. Come up with strategies or talking about what each organization is doing to impact this shared issue and recognize, oh, we're doing the same thing. We should probably get together. For Rx Safe Humboldt and Humboldt Community Health Trust, we set the table and we continually set that table so that there's always a place to come and address this. Otherwise, the fires of the day take over and we get distracted. And then we're right back to where we started. So gentle persistence has been one of the key strategies that I have really tried to implement through this work. I would also say in a land before COVID, and like maybe this is kind of old school, but I feel like I did a lot of coffee dates and a lot of lunch dates, especially as we were like doing coalition work with a bunch of partners, because sometimes I think you just need to provide individual attention to sort of keep that work, you know, moving forward. Or, you know, maybe someone is comfortable talking to you about their concerns or priorities in a one-on-one dynamic, but not yet ready to sort of bring that to the overall group. And so continuing to sort of provide both those group opportunities for input and partnership building and doing like the one-on-one, you know, follow-up high touch piece to sort of facilitate partnerships seems important too. I will admit it's fallen off a little bit for me in COVID, but just like trying to do some cues and check-in calls, that sort of thing as able does seem important. And I know, I'm sure this has happened and I'm sure it's happened for our listeners too, but, you know, as people or organizations, you know, come and go or they show up for the first meeting, but then kind of fall off. And, you know, Jessica, you're trying to do some of this outreach in between, you know, what does it look like for you all as you're organizing this when, when an organize, organization doesn't show up to the table? How does that impact everyone else around it? And what do you do to kind of mitigate that? Yeah, so we definitely suffered from some attrition in the Humboldt Community Health Trust. And I was just sort of thinking, reflecting on what went well and maybe what 
belabored the work. And one of the things that we did early on was focus a lot on infrastructure and maybe not on action. And so for folks that were really action oriented or just had a lot of other significant priorities, they sort of fell off. And I will admit that does sort of, I don't want to say impact the morale, but it sort of impacts the morale of the group, right? Like when you lose some key folks. So for us, you know, we tried to keep do the follow-up and keep people in the loop as much as possible. And in some cases we recognize like, this is not going to be a fit for this individual or this organization right now, but like, maybe we can keep them in the circle as sort of like a high touch VIP that they're not going to participate actively, but you know, I'm going to reach out to them to make sure it stays on their radar and let them know that what we've been up to sort of recently. So that has been sort of my interim approach for when participation might not be a fit right now for an organization to at least keep sort of the relationship open. Yeah, that that's definitely been a huge issue over the last year when so many of the players in this space are and rightfully so addressing the pandemic. Yeah. So it, it's been very challenging to keep engagement. And at our last coalition meeting for Art Safe Humboldt, we did a kind of a check-in. All right, we've been on Zoom for a year now. How does this feel? And how can we do things differently if this is thought that this is how it's going to be from here on out? How can we maintain those relationships and continue the work going? And unfortunately, I mean, we needed to hear it from our partners, but it was a little bit of a wake-up call for for me, especially, and possibly others in the steering committee that, all right, we cannot just sit back and do what we've been doing over the last year because COVID's taken the, the front seat. And it's time that we do reinvest in this work and make sure that we can be effective because the opioid epidemic has not gone away. Substance use has not gone away. And our our communities are suffering. So we do need to figure out how to, to get back and get everybody engaged and still do what we need to do around COVID. It's really hard work. but Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if you could, we haven't in some of the other conversations, haven't really gotten to how you know, COVID has impacted these existing partnerships. So, and you just mentioned, Rosemary, that part of what you're realizing is that you need to reinvest in this and put more time into it. So I'm wondering if you can just describe a little bit about what that looks like or what conversations you've started to have around that in order to make it more or an equal priority to some of the other work that you're doing? Well, you know, we haven't really started that uh, strategic planning yet, but we're, we've got some preliminary thinking about how can we make it easier? for our partners to do this work. You know, we know we need to track data. We know we need to do certain things, but it's a lot to even get through our day-to-day and to ask folks to do one more thing. So how can we make it easier? So pre-COVID, we had a lot of subcommittees and those subcommittees were meeting several times a month and doing the work in, you know, person to person. Well, that's gone. So can we recreate that in a virtual setting or a different way to approach that? And we're starting to explore different technology and platforms that can do that. You know, and another part of it is, kind of daylighting some issues that have been hidden this whole year, right? The fact that certain programs are losing funding or losing attention inappropriately so because of the pandemic or whatever reason, but we need to daylight that. And that's going to be difficult conversations and probably politically charged, but it needs to happen. So really just some strategic planning in a place that none of us have ever been. You know, I don't know what's going to happen of it. And I don't have any answers yet, but I know that we need to find the answers. I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting. The Humboldt Community Health Trust is such 
an effort that's like focused on long-term system change. And actually that's one of the things I really admired and tried to think about how we could model the work of ArcSafe Humboldt is that they've had some really concrete objectives, they've met them. I and mean, you just think about the great work that came out of that coalition around addressing prescribing rates. Sometimes I think like when you're working at the system level, it feels really diffuse and far off and how am I making progress? And actually COVID sort of, shown a light on some really actionable areas for us that I hadn't seen previously. So we're fortunate. We have support from the California Accountable Community for Health Initiative, so grant funding. So there's some very dedicated staff resource that comes with this initiative. So when COVID hit, we had some capacity and resource where folks didn't to do things like, hey, let's pull all the treatment providers together because their protocols for intake are changing in the face of COVID. So like, you know, we had bandwidth to do that. Or we have a small wellness fund, but it's there where we could make quick, like one-time sort of small cash awards to address immediate needs for grassroots organizations, or even our work around the community information exchange, which now in the time of COVID seems super important to figure out how all those actors sort of partner together. So there's been a, like, it feels kind of icky to say, but there's been a slight advantage coming out of COVID for the Humboldt Community Health Trust to kind of find where its unique path is. And because it overlaps COVID in some way, I think that has maybe helped sort of our pivot a little bit and helped some partners come along that pivot. Hasn't solved all our problems, but I think it's given us some more actionable paths that we previously had than we previously had in the past. So Well, nice to hear because we don't hear that very often that COVID has kind of created more or benefit or space to do this work. So I wanted to just kind of get both of your perspectives. What do you get out of doing this coalition building work? What do you enjoy about it? What do you find challenging? Well, I mean, there definitely is, you know, some personal satisfaction, organizational satisfaction that you're able to continually hold that place for people to come together and address this this issue that we have across the community. And it allows for us to give back to our community. You know, the Humboldt IPA, we're a delegated medical group for commercial insurance. So nobody looks to us and say, and thinks, oh yeah, they're giving back to their community. We're a for-profit company. Doesn't make sense for most people, but that's what we do. We do a lot of projects that is giving back to the broader communities. On a personal level, you know, we want people to you know, live their best lives and be as well as they can be. And so when it comes to substance use, you know, um, it's a continuum. We want kids to, you know, not start substances when they're young and to, to have, to have the best opportunity that they can. And we also want to provide, you know, a catch at the end of the stream to provide treatment and harm reduction. So, you know, what can we do to make Humboldt County the best that it can be for the the people that we live with? That's what keeps me going. You know, I want my kids and my grandkids to, if they wanted to move back here, that they, it would be a safe, happy place. I was just going to say, you know, I guess we didn't sort of talk about um, the IPA sister organization, which is the North Coast Health Improvement and Information Network. And we're a community health information exchange. And the sort of other arm of that is community health improvement. That's the organization that's the backbone of the Humboldt Community Health Trust. So that's really inherent in our mission. You know, the other piece that I, it is challenging. It is challenging to work across organizations. There's not a hierarchical structure where you can just say like, make it so, especially when there's a lot of partners in the mix. There's 
competing priorities and politics. It's really inspiring to work with folks. And I'm sort of innately curious about a lot of things. And so I've just learned a ton from our partners over the last couple of years and sort of their unique piece of the puzzle and what they're working on and have felt inspired and motivated by that. So that's definitely been one of the really fulfilling pieces for me too, I think. Just having a better sense of the community, being inspired by my colleagues' work in it, and starting to understand better, maybe not fully, about how all those components sort of lead to community health improvement. As you both know, CIN is all about taking what you've learned, taking new knowledge and trying to apply it back at your own organization and within the work that you're doing. So could you just share maybe two or three pieces of advice that you would give to our listeners who are engaging in similar partnership development or coalition development? What would you say they should do to make that work successful? I mean, one, when you are thinking about big system change projects, it is easy to sort of lose your way in that. So I would say look for the opportunities of um, specificity and granularity where they can, because I think that often brings people along in the early days for like concrete strategies, concrete activities, even in the sort of much broader work you're working towards. And then... (laughs) The other thing I would say is manage the accordion problem. And we talked a lot about this in our early days. You know, when you're working on holistically addressing substance use disorder in your community, boy, that problem can get really large initially. And the ways that you can address it can get really large initially. And especially when you're saying we're putting a group together, people say, well, that sounds like a great place to also address behavioral health more broadly or housing or food insecurity. And at a certain point, you have to have boundaries around your work. And it is true. All those things are completely interrelated. We're thinking about whole person care that makes up, you know, the picture, but you have to be rational at the end of the day about what you can like reasonably take on. And I think that is hard. That boundary setting piece, especially as you're trying to bring people into the fold and build relationships and build a network, it has to be there. Yeah, I I completely agree with those things that Jessica said. And I would add, do what you say you're going to do, right? Going back to that gentle persistence. If you say you're going to set that table, if you're going to have that monthly meeting, and I say this to my own team, we're going to meet every month. If I'm the only one in this room, then I might consider canceling it. But until that time, we're here and we're going to address it. So being intentional and doing the things that you say you're going to do. So that will build the trust, continue to build that relationships, which, you know, that's really the core, you know, building relationships and trust. Um, You know, Martin, who we work with, you know, always talks about that quote about, you know, what is it? Data moves at the speed of trust, right? So does coalition building. Coalition building moves at the speed of trust. Well, Jessica, Rosemary, thank you both so much for joining the conversation today and sharing your wisdom with this group. Um, We're really lucky to have had you on. Thank you, Marie. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the CIM podcast series on building effective partnerships to address social needs that impact health. As I mentioned at the start, we ask you to consider what did you hear in this conversation that can be applied to your work and what actions will you take to continue to advance your partnerships in your communities and with your healthcare partners. This podcast and others are located on our website at www.chcf.org CIN, and we look forward to sharing the next conversation with you coming soon.